Hello everyone, this is Jordan Martin from Network Collective, and this is a Network Collective Short Take. Today I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on the recent controversy surrounding the concept of a 10x engineer. So over the past week, there's been significant conversation around a specific tweet thread regarding the value of 10x engineers. Now, I'm not going to mention the original author or the company he works for, as I have my suspicion that this thread may have been meant to flame outrage for the purpose of driving attention to him and his firm. Being said, if you want to find it, I'm sure it won't be too difficult. All you have to do is open Twitter. Honestly, I'm not exactly sure what a 10x engineer is. I mean, I can gather that it means that they're 10 times more productive as regular engineers, but that definition seems to be lacking any real nuance. Uh, thankfully, our original poster has posted some hallmarks of a 10x engineer, and after espousing their immeasurable value, how to find one. So let me start by saying that I think the very idea of a 10x engineer is complete and utter nonsense and should be summarily dismissed. There's no doubt that different people produce at different rates, but the idea that some mythical person who eats, sleeps, and breathes a company's engineering priorities, I mean, that's a tad ridiculous. Assuming you find the mythical unicorn that fits this description and they can maintain this described singular focus... I'm going to doubt they're going to last very long in any particular environment before burning out or leaving the situation in flames. So as we start, I think it's important to point out why and where the author of this thread thinks a 10x engineer is, is valuable. And he does so in the tweet that starts the whole thing off. So he's speaking specifically to startups and hiring a 10x engineer is one of the first to be onboarded. Uh, he may have a point here if your strategy is to be bought quickly and build something you'll never have to support. I strongly disagree with his sentiment, though, if your success horizon is anything beyond a few months out. Uh, let's take a look at some of the specific points he makes. Point number one has to do with meetings, and in a later one, he brings up mentorship. I think these are somewhat related, but here's what he says. 10x engineers hate meetings. They think it's a waste of time, and obvious things are discussed. They attend meetings because the manager has called for a staff meeting to discuss features and status. He also says 10x engineers are poor mentors as they can't teach others on what to do or parcel the work. They always think it takes too long to teach or discuss with others. I'd rather do it myself. Uh, They're also poor interviewers. Of all of the things that he brings up in his points, I think these are the most egregious. Not that I haven't seen this behavior from so-called rock stars, but because he's touting them as values. Good engineers don't shy away from team interaction. They look forward to it. A good engineer wants to build up his team by sharing his experience, helping them understand the thought process and justification for the decisions that they are making and to help guide others on how they might be able to come to those same conclusions. Now, I will have to be honest. Early on in my career, I fell into some of these traps. I thought meetings were boring and unimportant, and my time was better spent working on the solution rather than talking about it. That was until I realized that I could be part of the reason the meetings were important to begin with. It isn't necessarily all about what I can get, but rather what I can give. More importantly, meetings and mentorship can have a very selfish end. I don't want to be the person that has to be called on every time something goes down. Having a team that understands not only how something works, but why it was designed that way to begin with, uh, ultimately ends up with a team of people who can support the work you've done. That results in a couple of things. It's better support for the environment overall. On top of that, the whole team grows. So less experienced engineers are taking steps towards becoming more experienced engineers. And the last part is the selfish part. 
I can occasionally sit by a pool drinking a nice whiskey and smoking a fine cigar, all without the fear that I'm going to have to be called into some emergency environment down conference call and be the hero every single time something goes wrong. Any engineer who is unwilling to share their reasoning, explain their work, or mentor other engineers is yet they're afraid of losing their job or has an ego incompatible with building teams. Both are problems that need to be solved, not something that needs to be glorified. The author then moves on to talking about efficiency, schedule, and capacity. I actually think he makes some good points here, but glosses over some of the pitfalls. Let's start again by taking a look directly at what he has to say. Timings in the office for a 10X engineer is highly irregular. They tend to work when very few folks are around. If there is a crowd or an all-hands meeting, they are not visible. Most of them are late-night coders and come late to the office. Next tweet. Most of the 10X engineers are full-stack engineers. For them, code is code. They don't care whether it is front-end, back-end, API, database, serverless, etc. I rarely see them doing UI work. Not quite sure what that means, but okay. Uh, 10X engineers can convert thought into code in their mind and write it in an iterative fashion. Given a product feature, they can write that entire feature in one or two sittings of four to six hours with a caffeinated drink without distraction. 10X engineers rarely look into help documentation of classes or methods. They know it in memory and can recall it from memory. They write code at the same ease as writing English. No breaks, no pause, just type. 10X engineers don't hack things. They write quality code and know exactly how the code has to evolve, have a model for the overall, overall code structure. Uh, they write at most one design document and the rest is in code. Um, to his point about office hours, that one actually resonates with me. Over time, I've realized that my productivity comes in bursts, and these bursts don't always show up between the hours of nine to five. I would be stifled in an environment that was exclusively on hours and measured uh, productivity, and productivity was measured in any other way other than just getting the job done. That being said, I do recognize that I often have to work with others, and a defined workday helps with that. It's a balance, and anyone who is unwilling to recognize that there is value in defining a workday is just being disrespectful of other people's time. Regarding being a full-stack engineer, I don't really like the terminology, but I get what he's getting at. And uh, for the most part, I agree. To provide any level of depth in technology, you have to specialize. But specialization without an understanding of those tangentially related technologies can lead to bad decisions and time-wasting. The more you know about the technology that your specialty touches, the more valuable you are as an engineer. I think the idea of like a multidisciplinary specialist is a bit of a fallacy, but I do believe it is possible to be a specialist in one particular discipline and have competence in many others. His next point I'm a bit more dubious about. Converting thought into code does demonstrate competence, assuming you're a programmer, of course, but it doesn't necessarily demonstrate good practice. Speed of the cost of supportability and documentation hurts as much as it helps. It again puts the engineer in the position of being the only person who understands the code and needing to be the hero every time something goes wrong. Within the context of his original scope, a startup seeking a quick exit, this may not be a big deal. But if you're planning on running and supporting this environment for any time at all, the extra effort you put into documentation, peer review, validation, and testing might slow you down a bit at the start, but will pay dividends in the years to come. Fast isn't always better. 
His point about not using documentation is a concerning one. Regardless of technical specialty, there's a lot of arcane knowledge that has to be called upon to do a job correctly. Not ever referencing documentation is a giant red flag for me. Sure, there are core components of everyday work that need to be done without reference, but a person who never looks at documentation is either regularly doing their job incorrectly or has devoted entirely too many neurons to the purpose of remembering things that don't re end up a result in business outcomes. You aren't weak for choosing to not remember these types of details. Every brain has a finite capacity for memory. Intelligent people are intentional about the things that they choose to remember and the things they know will be available to them in documentation when needed. Referencing documentation could also remind you of nuances that you may have forgot about or highlight new features that have been introduced since you had taken the time to commit this esoteric knowledge to memory. Either way, encyclopedic knowledge isn't in itself bad, but if it's done at the detriment of other capacities, it's not a benefit either. So one of the other areas that was highlighted in the thread was scope of knowledge. Yet again, let's take a couple of the themes that he introduces. 10X engineers know every line of the code that goes into production. If a QA or support folks issue an alert, they know precisely where the fault or bug is and can fix it in hours versus days. 10X engineers are always learning new frameworks, languages ahead of everyone in the company. They are not afraid of anything new. If there is something new, and he uses blockchain as an example, clearly a coder, but anyway, <laughs> they cobble up, settle up, and experiment uh, before anyone else is on it. So here is where I'm going to agree emphatically. Your job as an engineer, whether on staff or contracted, is to get as close to these ideals as possible. You should strive to have deep institutional knowledge of the technology that runs within your sphere of influence. This literally is what you're being paid to do, and the better you can do it, the more valuable you become. Deep level knowledge leads to informed intuition. Informed intuition leads to much faster trouble resolution. Regarding the new stuff, that's just part of our game. Understanding where the tech in your specialty is headed, knowing how it applies to your environment, and knowing when to wield that tech to solve a business problem is very much a part of everyone's job description. However, it is not a license to throw new and interesting things into production simply because they keep you engaged or they build up your resume. It's your job to filter out the wheat from the chaff and provide insights on tech that can move your organization forward. So, trying to wrap this up in a pretty little bow. The type of engineer explained in this tweet thread is the type of engineer who does just as much harm as benefit. They may solve individual problems quickly, but they become a bottleneck and problems will stack up. If this type of behavior is permitted for the purpose of productivity, your other engineers are going to feel alienated and not empowered. This means production from them will likely drop significantly if they stick around at all. They become one-tenth engineers. The type of engineer explained the tweet thread is the type who will eventually flame out. They'll either leave unexpectedly on their own or in a raging inferno. It will not end well. The type of engineer explained in the tweet thread builds nothing but their own ego. Your team isn't better for it. Your product isn't better for it. Efficiency at the sake of supportability or documentation gains you nothing. All advantage to the rapid deployment capability gets lost as soon as you have to support it or hand it off to somebody else. If your definition of success has a horizon of anything beyond a few months, hiring an engineer with no regard for team or others is going to be a negative. If you're a motivated engineer, there are some truths that can be gleaned from this though. Technical value isn't derived only from deep intuitive knowledge of one discipline area, 
But that in combination with a good understanding about how your specialty affects connected areas, being able to speak to technologies outside of your specialty adds significant to your value to your skill set. Knowing your environment well is valuable. This, the whole thread insinuates intuitive knowledge of where faults may arise and what solutions workarounds may work to resolve them. This requires deep level knowledge of the entire system, not just your little corner of it, and all of those interaction surfaces. And finally, being the engineer described in this thread, I just don't think it could be any fun. Now, I can't judge what makes other people happy, but this certainly sounds like a path towards bitterness and resentment. Work and our careers are only one portion of our identity, but to be the person described in the thread requires unrelenting focus and lack of balance. Take some time away from the console and the keyboard. Enjoy your family and your friends. Have a hobby that doesn't utilize any of the skills and tools you use for your day job. You'll be better off for it. So will the people you work with. And so will the people you live and do life with. Striving for excellence is a noble goal, but doing so at the expense of your personal well-being or the well-being of others around you won't get you where you want to go. Thanks for listening today. If you liked what you heard, there's plenty more just like it at thenetworkcollective.com. If you listen on the go and podcasts are your thing, you can find us at all the regular spots, iTunes, Google Play, Stitchers, and so on. Our short form content is released in video form as well. If you like to see our smiling faces, you can find us at Vimeo and YouTube. Just search for Network Collective. Building community amongst engineers is a significant reason why Network Collective exists. We absolutely want to engage and talk with you. The best place to do that are our social media presence accounts at uh, NetCollectivePC on Twitter and Network Collective Podcasts on both LinkedIn and Facebook. If you want to take that interaction to the next level and engage regularly with other engineers just like you, we have the Network Collective Community Membership. As a member, you get access to exclusive content as well as the best and most focused network engineering Slack that's available on the internet. You can learn more about that at thenetworkcollective.com slash join. And finally, we did a new thing. After being asked time and time again for mugs, shirts, hoodies, eh, all kinds of random things, we've opened up a very small merch shop. It's a simple way to help support the show and get some cool swag in the process. Now, I'm no fashion fiend, so the options that are there are pretty straightforward at the moment, but I'm hoping to add some cool stuff as time goes on. Either way, it's worth checking out if you've just been dying to drink your precious caffeine out of a limited edition Network Collective coffee mug. You can take a look at what we've got at thenetworkcollective.com shop. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.